you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we, we believe that you are great and you're big and you're strong and you're majestic and you're in charge. God, we believe that you are the one and only true God. And God, we also believe that you keep our hearts beating and our lungs breathing. God, our, our lives, our very being is in your hand. And so God, today it's a joy for us to come together and to praise you because you're worth it. You, you are worthy of all praise. So God, we, we worship you today. And God, I, I pray for us as we're gathered. God, God, as we're gathered, I pray we continue to worship. And I'm asking, God, would you help all of us to continue worshiping by hearing what you would say to us through your word. God, I'm praying you give us hearts to hear that we'd be tender and soft towards you and your word. And God, I'm also praying you would help me to teach. God, I, I, have, I, I need you. Would you help me to teach by your power? I pray that you would do a work that doesn't make sense, that you would do a work that only you would get credit for, that you would stir the hearts of the men, women, and children that are in this room through your word. And I pray that all in Jesus' name, amen. All right, you may be seated. All right, everyone, I hope that you're uh, doing well today. I've, I've had a little bit of a stressful weekend, but I'm going to mention that a little bit later uh, in the sermon uh, here today, and I, this is a, I don't know if this is even worth sharing. I may have made a mistake already this morning. Um, I don't know if you noticed that they've got these little in-ear things that they're listening to up here. You can't see it, but they've got fancy, fancy smancy headphones in the worship team up here. And one of the things that I, sometimes I have to be careful I don't forget, is if my mic is not muted, they can hear me singing. Now, you want to have a little anxiety attack in the middle of worship, and you see the worship team's face start to do a little What's that awful screeching noise? Um, and then you realize, oh, I'm that awful screeching noise. And I'm, mute, mute. Like it was a, I had a panic moment in the middle of one of the songs there. And uh, sorry, guys, if I wrecked you. Uh, that's, that's been my morning already. So the good news is we don't have to have a, I don't have to have a good morning for us to be able to get a lot out of God's word. And, and I believe the passage today does that. I'm, I'm excited about where we're at in the book of Titus. And no matter how much I screw up with microphones and stumbling over my words, I believe that God's word is strong and powerful. I believe that his spirit is present and that he will literally rock our world to the core if we will listen to him. And that's not dependent on me or my skill set. And so that's a relief for me. And so having said all that, let's just jump in this morning. We're going to be in Titus chapter 1. And as you turn to Titus chapter 1, we're going to be finishing up the first chapter of Titus today. Um, let me just say this. I, as I was preparing for this, I started thinking through what the last years looked like for us as a people. A little over a year ago, that's when this, these rumors about this thing called COVID, right? Yeah. Uh, can you believe it's over, been over a year now? We started hearing these rumors about something in China, right? It started as rumors, then it turned to be a little bit more serious and a little bit more real. And then all of a sudden, all of our lives, I mean, in the entire world, every human on planet Earth's life has been impacted and flipped upside down in a way because of some little teeny tiny virus called COVID-19. There's not a person in this room that hasn't had to deal with the consequences of COVID. Like, you're actually used to wearing masks. Did you ever think a year and a half ago that it'd be a normal thing for all of us to have masks in our pocket? That if you leave the house without a mask, you, you feel like you've left without your wallet or you're not wearing underwear or something. I don't know. Like it's, it's a really awkward thing to try to walk into a store in Tallahassee without a mask on. Anybody had that moment? 
Okay, some of you are saying no. Perfect. Yeah, I've walked in. Some yes, I see that hand. This is getting very Baptist. By the way, this is drill. I'm getting you all used to, like, raising your hand and participating with me. You're allowed to get after it here. Like, like I, you walk in the store, people have masks on, and we don't even bat an eye. We actually freak out if we're in the store and nobody's wearing masks on, right? Like, have you, like you're like, wait, what's going on here? This isn't normal. Like, there, there's people that we've met at church, and we've never seen more than this much of their face. So when the masks go away, I'm not going to know who half of you are because I've never seen your full face. Like We're in that moment in life where, where COVID has flipped everything upside down. It's caused some of us fear and anxiety. It's caused loss. It's caused stress. This, this little virus feels very scary for some people, right? Like I'm still hearing stories. Some people get it and they're like, it was nothing. I had a little cold. I'm good to go. But then you hear these other stories of dudes that are in their 30s and 40s. They're in shape and all of a sudden this thing knocks them off their feet. Some of them don't make it. Like you hear all these things about this horrible thing, this little virus that's kind of going on. And as I was thinking through that and looking at what Paul is talking about today, I, I couldn't help, I'm a Baptist pastor, this is what we do, I, I couldn't help but see some correlations spiritually to what Paul was talking about in Titus chapter 1. I think he's talking about a spiritual form of COVID. This, this little thing that looks, it sounds like a rumor at first, but if it takes root, it could literally flip everything upside down. Like, you, you don't know how poisonous and dangerous this thing is until you actually get it. And I think all of us have washed our hands more in the last year. We've been more guarded about how we have contact with people. We've been more guarded about personal spacing and, and mass. And some people are like, I like more personal space. This is great. But the rest of us are like, listen, this is getting old. Like, we've been isolated and worn out because we've been very cautious about a disease and yet there's a spiritual disease that could very easily ravish a church and a person's life. And it's very easy for us to get used to it and, and coddle it and give it room in our lives that we shouldn't give it room for. So what is this spiritual COVID? I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, even though you didn't ask, I'm, I'm glad you asked. So let me give you a run of what's happening in Titus. Paul went to the island of Crete. It's this awesome luxury island in the Mediterranean. He didn't go for a vacation. He went to plant churches. And he went to village after village after village, planted a ton of churches, and left his boy Titus with him who said, listen, Titus, I, I got the churches started, but you need to get them established. You need to go to all these churches and set up the leadership and organize the churches. And, and right here we've been looking at the qualifications for a leader in the church. It's almost all character very few skill sets, almost exclusively godliness, except for one skill set. The man has to be able to teach the Word. Look, look at verse, 19, verse 9 of chapter 1. This is a run-up for where we were at last week. It says this, He must hold firm to the trustworthy Word as taught, so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. He's able to teach what's right and fight what's wrong. Verse 10 for there are many who are insubordinate, empty talkers and deceivers, especially those, and note this, of the circumcision party. They must be silent since they are upsetting whole families by teaching for shameful gain what they ought not to teach. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Good grief. I, I can never get past that verse about how aggressive that is. It says this, Therefore, rebuke them sharply, that they may be sound in the faith, not devoting themselves to 
Jewish myths. I want you to notice that again. We've seen it back here in verse 10, the circumcision party. This other thing, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. Listen, you've got this, something that's happening here where as Paul is leaving Titus to set up these churches, he says, listen, you need to find godly men to lead these churches. But there's one skill they've got to have. They've got to be able to hold on to the word and teach it. They've got to be able to identify false teaching and false teachers and false living, all of those things, and they're able to take these people to the Word and handle it gently if needed, directly if needed, aggressively if needed. But this person has to have the character, the grit, the knowledge, and the skill set to teach the Word to the people. And there seems to be this, this false teaching. And I don't know if y'all picked up on that. If you didn't, I didn't do a good job highlighting those words. It was those two phrases, right? It's especially those of the circumcision party. Who's that? Man, I think I heard. Yeah, legalist. It's the legalist. It's, that's the Jewish people of the day. They're showing up, and here's what they're teaching. He even talks about the Jewish myths. They've got this thing that they're teaching, and it sounds really good, and it looks really good. Here's the teaching. Jesus is great. We love Jesus. We're really glad that he died on the cross. But you also, not just you don't have to just trust in Jesus. You have to obey certain rules and regulations. You need to be circumcised. You need to practice the Sabbath. You need to not eat pork or, or shrimp, and definitely not bacon-wrapped shrimp. That's a complete no-no. Um, you cannot do this. And it, it feels like this teaching is the thing that Paul is wanting to make sure does not take root in the church. I, although it's different in Crete, it's not. There's a similar thing in a lot of other the other churches that Paul is dealing with. Let me let me show you one passage. We're going to flip back to Colossians, chapter two. It, this is not the same teaching that Paul is dealing with, but I think there's some similar things. Because I, I, I want you to see the characteristic of what I'm going to call the spiritual COVID teaching is what it is. This is this is the COVID of the spiritual world that Paul is concerned about. Look at this, Colossians chapter two, verse sixteen. Remember, picture this with, with people who are legalists or trying to pile up these, these rules that you have to obey in order to please God. Verse 16 says this, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you. Don't let someone judge you in, regard, in questions of, in regard to, in relation to these topics of food and drink or with regard to a festival, or a new moon, or a Sabbath. Like he's saying, listen, don't let someone come in and start teaching these things where they're saying, listen, you shouldn't be eating that. You shouldn't be drinking that. You, shouldn't, you should celebrate this festival, or this new moon, or this Sabbath, these spiritual holidays. If you don't know how to do this, you don't know how to please God. Don't let someone come in and pass judgment on you. I want you to see there that there's this thing of judgment about your rituals and, and the way you live your life, the, the very nitty-gritty things of life. Look at verse 18. He goes on. Let no one disqualify you. In other words, don't let them just not judge you. Make sure they don't say you're not worthy. You need to get out because you don't do this. And look at this list of things, this thing that forces you to be an outsider. You ever felt that in church before? You showed up at church and you didn't know the rules, you didn't know the language, you didn't know the way you were supposed to dress, the way you were supposed to act. Don't let someone set up a false set of rules that keep you on the outside. Because when you're in Jesus, you're automatically on the inside. Don't let someone keep you out. And look what they keep you out on, insisting on asceticism. 
Now, for those of us who don't use those big words, in other words, insi- insisting on this extremely strict and aggressive, almost, um, it's, it's saying no to yourself. It's a big-time aggressive, no, we don't eat that. You have to fast this much. You have to do all these really hard and difficult things. It's, it's very restrictive. Don't let someone insist on asceticism. And worship of angels. Okay, that's just weird. We'll throw that out there, but apparently this is mixed up in Colossians. Or, and going on in detail about visions. Don't these people act like they've got some inside view of God that you don't have because they had a special dream last night and they're keeping on the outside because you didn't have that dream. His point is you've got the word, you've got the spirit, you don't need that dream. And that they're puffed up without reason by their sensuous minds. So listen, here's what he just said. Don't let someone keep you on the outside because of religious experience or religious rules. Don't let them do that to you. That's, that's not, it, it looks good, but it's not. Here's how you know it's right. Look at what he says in verse 19. Instead of all these things, these experiences, this, this arrogance they've got, these rules, that they're doing that instead of, verse 19, and not holding fast to the head. That's Jesus. He says, listen, if they're giving you all these things that you have to do to be right with God, all these things you have to do to be an insider, and they're not focusing on, you need to grab onto Jesus. Like he's the one you cling to. That's from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that is from God. He said, listen, here's what you don't do. You You don't let someone come in and say, here's how you please God. Do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, act like this. And they ignore clinging to Jesus. That's spiritual COVID. That'll kill you spiritually. It'll destroy you. And you don't want that to fester in your life or in your family's life or in the life of a church. And it looks really, really good. Look at verse 23. He goes on there in verse 20 and 21 and 22 saying, these things look like don't touch, don't eat, don't taste, all this stuff. Look at verse 23. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So listen, these things look good. This is why it's so dangerous. It looks really, really good. I mean, it feels impressive. Like, you can fast that much. You can, you can have it together that much. You've got all your ducks in a row. You look that organized. And he's saying, it looks really good to do man-made religion just like this. But it can't fix your heart. It, it ain't going to kill sin in you. It's not going to make you clean and holy and pure on the inside. It's just going to teach you to be really good on the outside, and it's going to ignore the inside. Listen, here's what's scary about this to me when I think about this. The thing that's scary to me about this is the fact that very easily people could look really awesome in the church. I mean, they could look like they've got it together, man. Like that's the role model you want but they're walking around spreading spiritual COVID in the form of legalism. And you'll respect them. And you'll think they've got it together. And you feel like, well, if that person is saying it, then I definitely need to do that. They will literally mix a little arsenic in your spiritual food is what they're doing. It's just a little bit of poison. It's just a wee bit of COVID. 
and you're spreading that thing around like a, a non-symptomatic person. I, I don't even, I just lost the word there, whatever that is. The one everyone's afraid of. You've got COVID, but you don't know it, and you give it to everybody. That, that's what could easily happen with the church. Listen, this, this thing is serious, church. I, I don't want you to take legalism lightly, ever, ever, because I don't think Jesus takes it lightly. Flip back to Titus chapter 1, verse 14, back where we just came from. Listen, because remember, here's what, Titus, here's what Paul is telling Titus. You've got to make sure that these elders that you set up in a church, that they, that they know how to handle this. Verse 14, not devoting themselves to Jewish myths and the commands of people who turn away from the truth. And then he gives this little shot right here, verse 15. To the pure, all things are pure. Like, listen, if you've got a pure heart, everything is pure. But to the defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. But both their minds and their consciences are defiled. Listen, I, when I read that, here's what he's saying. Here's what he's saying. Listen, you've got to make sure that when you're dealing with this, you go after something. He says, if you're pure, to the person who's pure on the inside, not pure on the outside. That's not the standard here. To the person who's pure on the inside, everything is pure. But if that inside isn't pure, that inside isn't clean, if that inside isn't believing and clinging to Jesus, if, if it's not that, it doesn't matter what you do. It'll never be pure and good and holy and clean. I, I need you to hear that. To the person who's pure on the inside, everything is pure, but to the person who's on the inside, impure and undefiled. There's nothing you can do that won't be dirty. Does that feel like bad news to anyone else? That, that feels like really bad news. For everyone who's over eight years old, that should feel like really, really bad news. Right? That, that, should, that should freak us out a little bit. Like, so you're telling me it doesn't matter how much I come to church. If the inside isn't clean, I'm contaminating the whole dag-blasted thing. You, you're telling me it doesn't matter that I've been baptized. Because even if I got baptized, if the inside isn't clean, it's all dirty. You're telling me it doesn't matter how much I read my Bible and pray. You're telling me it doesn't matter how many good things that I do. If the inside isn't clean, none of it's clean. Listen, that may not feel like bad news to you, but it feels like bad news to me. Because here's the question that's going on in my head. Uh, I, I'm sitting here going, man, is that really what Jesus teaches? Because I don't know that I, like, how do I fix that? Like, I can fix my behavior. I can show up at church more often. I can read my Bible more often. I can get baptized a whole bunch. My office is right over there. I can go in and get myself baptized every single day. <laughs> I can have communion all the time. I can be in small group. I can serve in the church. I can get crazy and fast as much as humanly possible and lose tons of weight. I can do all sorts of religious things. I can go door to door. I can pass out tracts. I can share the gospel. I can move overseas as a career missionary and go to the scariest places in the world and spend my life over there. But if my inside isn't clean, it's all still dirty. That doesn't feel good to religion. That doesn't feel good to church people. That definitely does not feel good in the southeastern part of the United States. 
That's not what gets peddled at churches sometimes. Let me show you what Jesus says again. Listen, I got all sorts of verses for us to go through. Matthew chapter uh, 15. Look at what he says here in verse 8 and 9. Here's what Jesus is talking about. His disciples sit down to eat dinner. They didn't wash their hands right. There were like rules about how to wash your hands for the Jews. Like, and you, it wasn't just wash COVID off. It was wash filth off, wash sin off, wash contamination. Like, man, God's holy. i got to clean my hands right because if, if my hands aren't holy and clean and I take that food and I put it in, i got some sin on it, and now it's going to get in here and I'm going to be filthy. God's going to be mad at me. Be distant from me because of what I ate or drank because my hands weren't clean. They, they get in a fight with Jesus about it. And here's what he says, verse 8 of Matthew 15. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And they got a good talk. They seem like they got some good obedience. They could care less in their heart about me. In vain do they worship me, teaching his doctrines, the commandments of men. Then he says this in verse 10, and he called the people to him. This is really awesome. Pharisees are getting in a fight. He said, everyone come here. I need to talk to everybody. Everybody circle up. Everyone get over here. You know what these guys just said about not washing your hands? He says this, hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but that what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Now listen, now you may be hearing that saying, listen, he just said I can't say bad words or it makes me dirty. That sounds like that's not what you're saying. Well, that's why the disciples got confused. Look at verse 16. And they come to say, hey, can you explain that to us? We, this didn't make sense. Like, what do you mean? I, like, we're Jewish. We're supposed to not eat bacon. You were real clear about that in the Old Testament. And now you're saying it doesn't matter. Is, uh, can you explain it? It feels like a tricky parable. And then Jesus, verse 16, says, are you, still, are you also still without understanding? <laughs> Man, I mean, he gets so aggressive. Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled? It just leaves you. I want to get into that. Verse 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. Listen, it's, it's not what you eat. It, and it's not even what you say. It's what you say is coming from something in here. What you think is coming from something in here. What you want is coming from something in here. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile the person. Because here's what he just said. And he said, before, it ever, before adultery ever happens, before immorality ever happens, before theft ever happens, before anything bad ever happens, something starts in your heart. Listen, all those bad thoughts, all those bad actions, listen, they say more about your heart than they say about anything else. And here's what I see Jesus saying here. Listen, his, his goal for you is not to change your behavior and ignore your heart. Jesus always goes after the heart. Always. Religion goes after your behavior. Jesus goes after your heart. Legalism goes after behavior modification. The gospel goes after serious, deep, holy, and complete heart change. 
And I hate the fact that at times it feels like I've gotten sucked into another form of Christianity that focuses on my behavior and not my heart. Let me show you another spot where Jesus says this. Matthew chapter 23, verses 23 through 26. I know it's a lot of verses, but I need you to see this. I need you to see it with your own eyes and you hear what Jesus is saying to us. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. Why does he call them hypocrites? He's been going off on them for a whole chapter here in Matthew 23. For you tithe mint and dill and cumin. Like you, you, you tithe even your spices. Like you go out and you get some basil out of your garden if you've got an herb garden. Like, man, listen, I take one-tenth of that basil and I'm giving it to Jesus. Like, that's, like this dude is serious about church and tithing. He tithes his spices. And you've neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. These you ought to have done without neglecting the others. Listen, you, you, you are detailed about your outward obedience, but you've neglected what God cared about most, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Look at verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate. It's polished. No dirt on it. It ain't nasty. But inside, inside they're full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisees, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. I want us to hear this. I almost want to shout it out. Jesus always wants us to go to the heart. Always. Listen, you start stumbling and struggling with sin. Don't just say, listen, I got this sin. I need to stop it. Go after the heart. Take the heart behind it to Jesus every single time. When you're parenting your kids, I want you to hear this. Don't go for behavior modification. Go after their heart. Go after their heart. When you're working with each other and laboring side by side to deal with sin and struggles and anxiety and fear, like you go after the heart every single time. Jesus wants the heart. And church, I'm afraid that sometimes at church we get really good at polishing the outside. It's clean, it's clean, it's clean. I look good, I look good, I've got it together, you respect me, like all this stuff. And we're ignoring the heart and we're getting rotten. This past weekend I had a stressful weekend. We, uh, we moved into our house two years ago. Uh, the carpet was nasty. I mean like nasty. Uh, they, people before us had dogs. But here's the deal, I thought... Their dogs cannot do to a carpet what my four kids can do to a carpet. So we had this thing, like, we're going to wait to change the carpet. Was it a mistake? I don't know. Jury's still out. But all the stains on the carpet our kids have added, tell me it wasn't a bad idea. Um, Listen, when you've got a beautiful little daughter that all of a sudden now gets into fingernail polish, your carpet is doomed. Well, we finally decided to change the carpet. So this past weekend, we're changing the carpet. Listen, i got to be honest. I've been working cleaning the outside of my house. Like, I've... I've literally got this thing called mold armor, and I'm spraying it on the house, and then I'm rinsing it off, and it's, dude, sparkly clean. Phenomenal. Not pressure washing. This thing is great. It's cake. Like, I'm cleaning the outside of the house. We're changing the carpet. Things are looking good. And on Friday, they peel back some of the carpet, and they find these teeny tiny, itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny little devil bugs. 
They're white like ant type things. They're termites. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's what I said. No, I can't be. I'd rather, can this be bed bugs? Can we have bed bugs instead? That'd be better. Let's, let's go for bed bugs, right? Nope. Definitely termites. So I'm calling, like, I need someone out here. We stop putting the carpet in because you don't want to put carpet in and then pull the carpet up for the stinking termites. Yep. Now, here's the deal. Um, I'd clean the outside of the house, but there was a problem that was beginning to eat away at part of my house that if it didn't get dealt with, the whole thing was rotten. You experience church like that? Listen, I know I have. That, that's not Jesus' version. He, says, you go after, he goes after the heart. He goes after the heart every single time, and when he goes after the heart, everything else will follow. But you know why we don't want to go after the heart? Because we can't fix it on our own. You can't fix your heart. You can't. I can't change my motivations. I can't change my affections. I can't. Only Jesus can do that. That's the gospel. I want you to hear this loud and clear. That's the gospel. You can't change your heart. You can change your behavior. You can clean up the outside, but you can't clean the inside. That's why you need Jesus, and that's exactly what Jesus does every single time. Let me show you a verse like this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. Paul's writing to the filthiest church in the entire New Testament. And I'm talking about crazy filthy. If you want to know more, you can check out all the first five chapters of 1 Corinthians and the following ones. But in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9, look at what he says here. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? In other words, hey, all the people who are filthy and broken, you ain't getting any of Jesus, man. You ain't getting into heaven. He says, do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral nor the idolaters nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Like, man, that's a pretty thorough list. All the bad people, you ain't getting in, right? But look at what it says here in verse 11. And such were some of you. Let me read that again. Such were some of you, but you were washed. How'd you get washed? Jesus did that. How'd you get washed? I'm sorry, maybe I, I already gave you the answer. You should know the answer to this one. Who did it? Then tell me again, who did it? You know how he did it? Man, he, he died on the cross. Like he did it fully and completely. Like he allowed his back to be beaten and his face to be smashed and a crown of thorns on his head. He allowed himself to be disrespected and spit on and mocked. And they nailed that man to a cross. Why? So he could clean you and me. And he did not do a half job of it. He did the whole thing. And we want to feel like, man, you just get me to heaven and I'll do all this stuff over here on my own. No. Man, he paid the full price. Everything you need to be cleaned on the inside, Jesus has got. So don't go nowhere else trying to clean your heart. 
You run to Jesus and only Jesus over and over and over and over again. You tell yourself, no, Jesus, Jesus paid the price for that. And you just pay the price for it. He gave me everything I need, the cleaning solution to get that COVID out of my heart, to get those termites out of the inside, to get that lust, that greed, that wrong desire, that envy, that jealousy, all of it. Man, all the hate and the bitterness. He gave me everything I need to really clean it. And we're meddling around with other things, trying to get the outside looking good. And he's saying, I don't need to, I'll get your outside, but I've got your inside I'm working on first. Listen, church, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear not only that Jesus cleans you, that he is cleaning you, and he can do it completely and totally. Don't run after anything else. You go after Jesus and him alone. You go after the heart with your kids. You go after the heart with your spouse. You go after the heart with yourself. You go after the heart with one another with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Listen, so when Paul is sitting there telling Titus in chapter 1, to the pure, all things are pure. How do you get that pure? Jesus. You get that pure and you only get that pure through Jesus. And when he makes you clean like that, everything that you do to worship him is now clean. Dude, that's, man, I hope that feels like good news to you. Right? Listen, so, so you're trying to sing on a Sunday morning and your heart feels out of whack, but Jesus has saved you and he's cleaned you and you feel distracted. You know what the gospel says? It says to the pure, everything is pure. When Jesus cleans you, he's cleaned your heart so when you're singing and stumbling and struggling, he's made that singing Pure. That feels like good news to me. I don't have to make myself pure. I don't have to make myself clean. I have to trust in Jesus, and he makes me clean. But it doesn't just stop there, because he doesn't just stop at the heart. Listen, look at what he says here in verse 16. He says, talking about these false, these false people who they're defiled, like they're trying to clean the outside, but they haven't been made pure on the inside, so it just ain't working. Verse 16, they profess to know God. They got the words, they got the knowledge, all that stuff, but they deny him by their works. They are detestable, disobedient, unfit for any good work. Listen, it's not just that Jesus cleans your heart. He starts at your heart, and that works its way out. That's always the order. It doesn't go the reverse way. Legalism starts on the outside and says, your heart will follow eventually. Gospel says, no, you go to Jesus and he starts on your heart and eventually your outside will change. This isn't a license to do whatever you want. It's the power to do what Jesus wants. Do, do you hear that? Listen, so, so here's what that means for us, church. It doesn't, it doesn't just mean that he cleans your heart. It means he cleans your heart first and then he will use that to change your actions. We don't stay unchanged by the gospel. But it always starts at your heart. So, so here's why, that good, why that's good news. You name whatever struggle you want to struggle with, whatever it is, and here's what you do. Here's how you deal with it every single time. You're struggling with lust? Listen, I know most people are saying, we're going to put a filter on your Internet. We're going to give you accountability. We're going to do all this stuff. Listen, that's all fine and dandy, but it won't change your heart. You know what you got to do? You run to Jesus. 
over and over and over again, and you get real. This is where my heart's at. But you said you died on the cross, and I need that work. I need you to keep scrubbing in here because it's filthy. I need you to change my heart today. And you get up tomorrow and say, I need you to change my heart tomorrow. Man, when you do it over and over and over again, you beg him to clean your heart. And as he cleans your heart, he's going to change that outside. Yeah, you need those filters. That's great. Those filters won't clean your heart. It won't stop lust. Listen, you can travel to a Muslim country. Those women are covered from head to toe except for their eyeballs. Those men lust. (laughs) They don't don't need the Internet to lust. It's hardwired inside of them. They need Jesus to clean their hearts. Listen, you struggle with anxiety, like big-time fear and anxiety, and it's not the type of anxiety you need medicine for. It's a type of anxiety. It's just you just straight don't trust God. Like it's always welling up over and over and over again. You find yourself trying to control everything and manage everything. and Keep it out in front of you because if you can't control it, you can't handle it, right? And so it causes anxiety all the time. The lack of control bounces around like crazy in you. Here's what you need. You need to go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I know I'm not in control and I know that you are. I need you to give me faith. I need you to clean my heart so that it actually trusts in you more than it trusts in me. And he'll get after your anxiety. Whatever it is. Maybe you're greedy. Maybe you're bitter. I don't, I don't know what's all in our hearts. I know we all got stuff in our hearts. But the answer is not to change your performance. The answer is to let Jesus change your heart. And here's the question it raises for, for me. I, I, I'm raising two for us. The first is this, have you settled for outward obedience without the inward reality? Have you settled for that your whole life? Listen, I, I want you to always run to Jesus, repent of that, and say, Jesus, I need the inward reality. I don't need the outward action. I need the inside first. Have you spent your whole life cleaning the outside and the inside's been rotting? I mean, I, I want you to run to Jesus Run to him. He cleans the inside. Maybe for some of you, 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 you've used grace as an excuse to do whatever you want. You've got Jesus. Yeah, he he cleaned the inside, but the outside hasn't changed. You need to hear something. If the outside ain't changing, something's wrong in the heart. You need Jesus to work in your heart that goes to your hands. That's what we need. Have you been leading others to go after the outside and not the heart? Been leading your spouse? Leading your kids? Then your, your fellow church family, man, can, can we stop that? Can we lead people to go to Jesus to get the heart clean first and then go to the hands? It always flows from the inside out, not the outside in. Listen, let me give us a moment to respond. Would you bow your head and close your eyes? And I, I want to challenge you right there in your seat to kind of figure out what Jesus might have said to you today. Listen, if you've settled for outward obedience without the inward reality, I want you to write there, repent, and ask Jesus to change your heart. Maybe you've been a person that you say you've known God, but your, your actions have just totally denied him. Would, would you go to Jesus and repent of it? You've had no love no obedience, repent. 
Maybe for some of you, this isn't about improving your walk with God. Maybe you've never actually started your walk with God. You're here today and you've learned about religion, but you've never come to that moment where you've placed your trust in Jesus and been changed on the inside. I just want to remind you of the good news. It's never too late. Jesus is always calling sons and daughters to himself. He wants to adopt you and make you clean. Don't let your pride get in the way, your religious background. Like if you've never placed your trust in Jesus, you've never said, Jesus, I, you died on the cross for me. That's my only hope. I need you to clean me and change me. And so I'm throwing all of my hope and trust on you and nothing else. I believe you died. I believe you came back from the dead. If you've never done that, if you ever had a moment where he started to clean you on the inside, I want to encourage you today, right there in your seat, would you just confess to him, say, I need you. And I believe you died on the cross and came back to life. Will you save me and clean me? Listen, for some of you, uh, you have seen Jesus change your heart. I said, I want to call you to worship right there in your seat. If he's not calling you to repent, then I want you right there in your seat to be praising him for the fact that he didn't just give you a religion about the outside. He gave you power to change the inside. Would you praise him for that? Praise him for the things where he's actually changed your heart. You've seen him actually making changes. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you right now, and here's what we say. God, we, we want to be your people. We want to be your people who are changed from the inside out. So, God, I pray for every man, woman, and child in this room. God, would you make us a people that place our trust in you and you alone? God, would you make us a people who always go after the heart? God, show us how to do that with our kids and with our spouses, with one another, with ourselves. God, make us a people whose only hope is you cleaning us. And God, would you make us a people who don't just aren't just clean on the inside? God, would you make us a people who obey on the outside because of an inner reality? God, make us that type of people. And God, I pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.